If you have a Bible with you or if you are using a smartphone that you either have the Bible app or you'd like to go to BibleGateway.com, I invite you to turn to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Somebody asked me this week, they said, what is your scripture? I said, the book of Jonah. They said, we're going to read through the whole book. I said, well, we're going to work our way through the entire book. So we're going to look at the whole Old Testament book of Jonah this morning, and we are going to go through not every verse, but quite a bit of the passages, and you'll be able to follow along with me. We are in our prophet series, which means that each week, if you didn't get your prophet trading card, these are a hot commodity. Everybody from coast to coast wants one of these. They are produced special here at Faith Community Church. They give you an artistic drawing of a prophet and on the back tell you something about Jonah and also give you either a passage to look at or sometimes something directly tying into our morning message. I'm entitling this morning's message, Don't Be a Knucklehead. Now, this is the third service that I've done this weekend, and nobody's gotten this right yet. And please, if you were in one of the other services, your answer doesn't count. But does anybody know the origins of the word knucklehead? I was hoping nobody would, so I can at least teach you something this morning. Actually, a knucklehead is part of a train, so it's on the, it was a 19th century term for something that was on a train track. And later, in World War II, it got picked up as a training poster when the U.S. military invented a little cartoon character called R.F. Knucklehead. And he was an army cadet who only made bad decisions that inevitably led to something awful happening. And so these training posters were put up for new cadets when they would come in to show us how not to live, to do things that we shouldn't do. For instance, R.F. Knucklehead on one of the posters had this little title that said, Loose Talk Costs Lives. And it was a picture of R.F. Knucklehead telling that his ship was going to go out the next day and where it was going to go, and then the following picture was the enemy bombing the ship. So the idea is there are things that we know in our life that we shouldn't do or we need to be instructed that we shouldn't do because if we do them, they inevitably lead to something bad. One of the more humorous ones I found was R.F. Knucklehead throws litter on the ground only to have a strong wind come up and the trash just blows all over the place. But we get the idea. There are things that we do or things that people do that will inevitably lead to something going wrong, but we still do them. We still need to be reminded not to do that. Therefore, I would suggest we are all knuckleheads, every single one of us. Now, if you're not a knucklehead and have never blown through a stop sign that you knew you shouldn't do a certain thing and you did it anyway, you can leave. There's a church down the road for all the perfect people, and you can go there because the rest of us acknowledge that that's part of how we live our lives, and we need to be reminded of that. Now, the reason I refer to knuckleheads is because I think Jonah is our knucklehead prophet. I think it's a great way to understand the book of Jonah. As we go through this text, you will discover that Jonah and the people of Nineveh, which is the country of Assyria, do the wrong things and it leads to bad results. So Jonah demonstrates to us, both in his words and also what he says, how not to live our lives. And that pretty much summarizes what Jonah gives to us. He becomes a prophet that not only 
warns us about how to live and how we should live our lives. And if we make bad decisions, it inevitably leads to bad results. He's a knucklehead. He does the stuff himself, and he very much helps us realize that God speaks through prophets, and that's one of the ways to understand Old Testament prophets. God speaks through them. There are things that they say that become predictive of the future. So Jonah spends three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, and of course Jesus says that's a prediction of his own death, burial, and resurrection in three days in the earth. So they have that future aspect, but they also speak the majority of what they say to people. Their words come to us and tell us how to live or things to avoid in our life, but prophets also demonstrate that in their lives. A lot of times it's a positive message. So we find, again, we looked at Hannah recently. Hannah had a message of trust in God. In her own life, she was childless, and she had to trust God. So we see the tie-in between what she says and how she learns to live her life. In fact, if you look at the very last prophetic book in the Bible, that's the book of Revelation, the theme of the book of Revelation is no matter how bad life is, God is greater still. No matter what we go through or anyone go through at any time, God is also victorious. Amen? That's who God is. That's a God that we serve. But John, who gives us the book of Revelation, he himself is going through a tumultuous time. He's banished to the Isle of Patmos. So his very life becomes an embodiment of the story that he writes. Now with Jonah, he shows us how not to live, so we think knucklehead. He gives us a message of these are things we shouldn't do, but at the same time, he does it and blows through the stop signs in his own life, and therefore we see what happens when we do the wrong things. So let's just take a moment before we look at the text and familiarize ourselves or go back and rethink the book of Jonah. It's a story from 800 years before Jesus. That's a long time ago, 2,800 years ago. But as much as that is a different time period, there are a lot of things in life that just don't seem to change because there's a problem between the nation of Israel and Syria or Assyria. Pick up your newspapers, the same thing is true today. That conflict continues to happen and we still have the same animosity between these two countries. In fact, a few years ago, if you remember, there was a lot of concern about Syria in the news and ways in which they were treating not only their Israeli neighbors, but the threat that they were becoming to the United States. So even though you're talking about time 2,800 years ago, we're talking about much of the same kind of history that still happens today. And along comes this guy Jonah, this 8th century B.C. prophet, who's given a message by God, who's told you need to leave Israel, you need to go up to Syria, you need to go to the city of Nineveh, and you need to tell these people they're living the wrong way, and God has a message for them. They need to change, otherwise things are going to go bad. In other words, they're being knuckleheads, and inevitably something awful is going to happen. But God wants them to have the opportunity to change. Now, a good, well-respecting, wonderful, perfect human being, not like me, because I'm certainly not that, but you know, those people who get everything right would have done exactly what God told him to do. But not good old Jonah. God says, go to the northeast, and he sets out west. So when you think about it, it's up to Nineveh, up a little ways, up to Syria, and instead he gets on a boat, and he goes to Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain. Now go check your Bible atlases. 
that's a completely across the Mediterranean. You go past Italy, you keep going, and he's going as far away as he can go. As he's running away from the message that God gives to him, he's being a knucklehead. Things are not going to go well, because when God tells us to do something, and it happens in our lives, there's times in your life where God's very clear, this is something I need to do, this is a decision I need to make, this is a person I need to forgive. We decide to do the opposite, things don't go well, do they? Insanity, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, but we don't get different results, well, that's what happens to Jonah. He goes out in the middle of the Mediterranean, and all of a sudden a big storm arises. They try to figure out what's going on. They decide that they need to cast everything overboard. Finally, Jonah says, I'm the problem. I'm running away from God. Didn't make people very happy. They take him. They throw him overboard. Storm stops. Big fish comes along. Huge fish. Gobbles him up. Gives him three days to think about the fact that he has not listened to God. In those three days, he ruminates over his decisions thinks maybe I should try to do it a little bit different this time. He ends up being spit out back on the shore, a little bit further than he was before, and this time he decides, maybe I'll try it God's way, and he sets off to Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh, he preaches, and people change. Simple story. Think of it this way. God tells you, you need to make a trip to Cape Cod. It's not very far away. And you need to go there and talk to a friend of yours to reconcile with them. So you get on a plane and you go to California. That's pretty much what Jonah does. Exact opposite of what God tells him to do. Now, why is this an important message for us? Because, folks, every one of us can be knuckleheads. Amen? I want a louder amen. Amen? amen. We are. We all can be knuckleheads. We know what we should do, but we decide to do it our way. I think I know better on this one. You don't understand what that person has done to me. Pastor Stan, if you had to face the struggles that I face, you'd make the same decisions I would. We all do it. So that pretty much summarizes Jonah chapter 1. Everyone can be a knucklehead. We find the Assyrians acting like knuckleheads, and we find our prophet Jonah acting like a knucklehead. Chapter 1, verse 2. God says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city in Assyria, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. A whole nation was living wrong. The Bible tells us that they were living in a violent and self-destructive manner. People who first read this must have thought, Awesome, this is going to be a great story. I don't like the Assyrians. I get to hear how God is going to take care of those people out there. Well, we kind of do the same thing ourselves. And then we come to verse 3. Verse 3 begins with one of those short little words in the Bible that when you read it, it should always get your attention. It's the word but. Those people are doing things out there they shouldn't do but. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. God told Jonah what to do, and so he did the opposite. He started by saying, those people out there, I can't believe how they're living. They were being knuckleheads. But then Jonah becomes a knucklehead himself. His response isn't to be one of love and grace and to listen to God and be obedient and be helpful. His response is to do the exact opposite. 
He only wanted to point his finger at those people who couldn't obey God. Isn't that a story of 21st century America? Everybody looks at them out there and points their finger at them. Can you believe what they are doing? Can you believe their attitudes? Can you believe how they're living? Now, if you go to them who we're talking about, they're looking back at us and saying, can you believe those people over there? Can you believe the things that they're doing? Can you believe how they're acting? And that's pretty much what we get in chapter 1 of Jonah. For Jonah, this ended up being a great big opportunity for God to give him a time out. So we read in verses 15 through 17 that those on the boat literally picked Jonah up, hurled him to the sea, and the Lord appointed a great big fish to swallow up Jonah, and he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I like to call this a big slimy fish time out. We've all had it in our lives. We make the wrong decision. We do something we shouldn't do. We get into an attitude towards someone else. We have something that needs to change in our lives. We refuse to change it, and something happens, and we're just stuck, and we have an opportunity to think about it. Now, I like to quote some famous people, so I'm going to give you a famous quote here. My worst day of my life was when my boys were too big for me to put them in time out. That's my wife. <laughs> you see, this is what God does. We act like toddlers, and so God puts us in a time out. The difference is, our children get to the point where they're big enough that we can't physically put them in time out. We're never too big for God to put us in time out. Hear me? No matter where we are and what's going on in our life, God always has that opportunity to slow us down and to say, you know what? You need to think about this. You need to think about how you're acting towards that person. You need to think about the behavior that you've engaged in. After all, both Jonah and the people of Nineveh were being knuckleheads. And we're going to find in the story that God is also giving the people of Nineveh an opportunity to have a big time out, to pause and listen, to think if things should be done differently. Which takes us away from chapter 1 of Jonah to chapter 2. If chapter 1 reminds us that we can all be knuckleheads, chapter 2 reminds us that God is patient with knuckleheads. Isn't that good? When you and I do the wrong things, God's patient with us. If God wasn't patient with us, so many times the things that we would do would be so much worse. But it's fortunately God's patience. And that's why in chapter 2, verse 2, our friend Jonah is sitting in the stomach of a big fish, and we read these words, Then Jonah prayed. You think maybe he should have thought of that earlier? <laughs> Wouldn't that have been a great story? God says to Jonah, you need to go to the Ninevites and preach to them. I know they're Assyrians. I know you don't like them, but they're doing wrong things, and I want you to go. Jonah doesn't like the, the thing that God tells him to do, so Jonah sits and prays for three days, maybe sits out on the Mediterranean and looks at the sunrise and the sunset, has a beautiful day, and decides to do what God wants him to do. Unfortunately for Jonah, and fortunately for us, because that would kind of make a boring story and would say, hey, I don't do it that way. I always seem to blow through that. But... Jonah didn't do that. He did the opposite, 
And now he has the opportunity to go right back to where he should have been at the first point. And when we're asked to do things we don't like to do, or we're facing situations we don't like, there is a solution, folks. It's called prayer. You don't like how somebody's acting? Are you praying about them? You don't like something that's happening in your life? How much time are you spending praying about it? You see, that's ultimately why God is patient. On November 7th in our church, we're going to be having the community prayer service. It'll be here at 6 o'clock. There's your first advertisement for it. I hope we get a good turnout. All the churches come together. We have a time of worship and a time of prayer. Pastor David and I got together and decided we're going to have this theme for this year's prayer service. When all else fails, read the directions. My uncle used to say that, and he was an evangelist. And then he would say, remember what the directions are. The directions the Bible. As Christians, there is an answer. That's why over 600 times the Bible tells us to pray. See, if we only need to hear it one time, it would have only been told us one time. 600 times the Bible reminds us how important prayer is in our life. Do you feel like you're in a big slimy fish belly this morning? Pray. Do you see someone doing something wrong that you don't like? Pray. Are you getting really upset? Give me the answer. Pray. After three days of this slimy timeout, we read in verse 10, then the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up on dry land. That sounds like a fun Sunday afternoon. Let's be clear with the message. There are times when others are wrong, like the people of Nineveh, but we need to see our part. We can't just look at them and say, look at I don't like how people out there are living. Because Jonah is not just a story of those people out there who Jonah has to go preach to. The story of Jonah is, yeah, there are people out there who are messing up and are living in ways they shouldn't live, but that doesn't get us off the hook at all. We need to look at ourselves. Our moms all told us, you're pointing a finger at someone else, three are pointing back at us. And that's what Jonah is helping us learn. Yes, the people of Nineveh needed time to figure out their wrong behavior, but so did Jonah. The lesson is take time and pray first. For prayer just may keep us out of a big, slimy fish stomach. And we've all been there. We're like, how did I get here? How come I'm in the middle of this mess? We teach it to our children. The kids get ready that they're going to be out on the playground, and we say, somebody's going to say something to you you don't like. Pause, don't punch. Right? Pause, don't punch. Just because somebody else says something or does something they shouldn't like, you don't like, you don't react and just get all upset with them. Yes, God is patient, and that's why God wants us to learn in our lives to pause. Somebody sends you a text message. You can't believe what that text message says. Secret. Ready? Say a prayer. Don't send a text back. <laughs> Somebody sends you an email. You just hate that email they send you. Got an answer. Pray. Don't just respond with an angry email. Somebody says something that hurts your feelings. You just are ready to explode. Pause. Pray for them. Take a little bit of time to get away. 
Had Jonah just learned that ahead of time, he wouldn't have been a knucklehead. And he wouldn't be quite as fun of a prophet either, would he? But instead, he's like us. We have to learn those lessons the hard way. But God wants us to understand that God is patient with knuckleheads. We see people out there getting away with things and we go, I cannot believe that they're getting away with this and how is that happening? That's because God's patient. God's just being patient with them. God's working in their hearts the way he's working in our hearts. If we believe that and if we can come to the understanding of stopping thinking that God's only working in our lives and start realizing that God's working in everybody else's lives, then we can avoid a whole bunch of the issues that we face in this world because we know God's already taken care of it. Amen? Just pause. God's being patient, just like God is patient with us. Which takes us to Jonah chapter 3. First, we discover that we can all be knuckleheads. Second, we discover in chapter 2 that God's patient with knuckleheads. In chapter 3, we discover the answer. Knuckleheads need to repent. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is walking in one direction, stopping, turning around, and going in a different direction. You hear that? We think sometimes that repentance is stopping. We think sometimes repentance is just feeling bad about something. It's not what the Bible teaches about repentance. Repentance means we're going in a direction, we stop and we literally turn and go in a different direction. So we start understanding that we are sinners, we've done wrong, we give our lives to Jesus, we get forgiveness, but we're told to repent, to turn and go in a new direction and to start following Christ. That's the message that Jesus was preaching all the time. That's the same message that good old Jonah's learning. He's going to finally now go to the Ninevites and tell them to stop what you're doing, turn and go in a new direction. But Jonah gets to do the same thing also. Because in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3, we're told the word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Arise and go to Nineveh. Same message. Knucklehead Jonah finally gets a chance to go in this new direction, which is his repentance. And God gave the people of Nineveh time to repent. That's because God never gives up on people. God doesn't give up on anyone. We give up on people. God doesn't. We get frustrated with that family member and we go, I can't believe how they're acting. God's working in their heart. Just pray. Just realize that eventually the change will take place. Your family or friend is struggling or being disobedient. Remember that God is being patient with them. This is a simple truth of Scripture, which is why it's important not to sugarcoat this story. You see, Assyria was not a nice neighbor. These were some really bad people who acted really awful towards their neighbors. I had an Old Testament professor one time who said, if you want to understand biblical empires, think of it this way. When you think Rome, think bad, brutal. When you think Babylon, think really brutal. When you think Assyria, think the most brutal. And then we could sit here and tell stories of the stuff that these Assyrians did when they would win a war, and it was not pleasant things. This is not Jonah being told to go to a neighbor who's going out for coffee at the Starbucks, and you happen to like Dunkin' Donuts, and God's putting it on your heart that you have to go to a Starbucks, and you're like, wow, that's a tough thing in my life. This is God telling you to go to the Taliban and have a conversation. This is God telling Jonah, 
Repentance means that even people who we don't like, even people who are living in ways that we don't understand, that God is working in their hearts. And so in chapter 3, verse 3, we're told, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. May I add, and he didn't want to go back in the fish's tummy. Because God did what God does. He gave the Ninevites a chance to change. We sit and we say, I can't believe they're getting away with that. I can't believe that that's happening to that person. Look at all the good things that are happening in their life and they're living in a way that they shouldn't be living. God's just being patient. God's being patient. We look at family members and we say, I just can't believe that they just keep doing the same thing over and over and keep making the mistakes. God's being patient. God's timing's not your timing or my timing. The Holy Spirit is working in their lives. And that's what Jonah had to learn, that just like God was being patient with him, God is being patient with the people of Nineveh. And then we read in chapter 3, verses 4 through 10, in this whole understanding of how important repentance is, that Jonah began to go to the city of Nineveh. He went a whole day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Then the word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he removed his robe and he covered himself with sackcloth and he sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and he published it throughout Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not eat food or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them all call out to the mighty God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and let everyone turn from their violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger. When God saw that they had truly repented, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said would happen to them, and he didn't do it. God's patience with Nineveh worked out. That's how God works in people's lives, folks. God's patient because God knows that in a period of time, with the Holy Spirit working in people's lives and with the right environment happening, people will come to change, and the Holy Spirit will convict people of the things that they're doing wrong. They repented from the least to the king. They changed their behavior, and as they said in Star Wars, their destiny was changed. That's what God does. And that's a message that we all need to understand, that yes, we can all be knuckleheads, yes, God is patient with our knucklehead behavior, but God ultimately is wanting people to repent and to change and to change behavior and start trusting in God and live a different way. Remember our World War II knucklehead? The character that showed that living wrong is guaranteed to live, lead to disasters, will simply put the people of Nineveh quit being knuckleheads. They quit being knuckleheads. They realized that having a violent society and, and not practicing love and trusting in God and taking their will back and living the way that they were living was wrong. And for an entire generation and for a period of time, the Syrian history calmed down and the nation was saved. Now, if the story ended there, that would be a really interesting Old Testament prophet. But it doesn't. Because if you remember, I said 
There are four chapters, not three chapters in the book of Jonah. And so far, what we've seen is how everything is worked out. But one last lingering question must be asked. What about Jonah? How does Jonah feel about all of this? And that's why we have chapter 4. And this time, I'm going to read the entire chapter. I'm going to read it from the message, which is a paraphrase. And just listen to the response of Jonah. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. God said, what do you have to be angry about? But Jonah just left. He went out of the city to the east side, and he sat down to sulk. He put together a makeshift shelter of leafy branches, and he sat there in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Basically, he's sitting there thinking, well, maybe they'll still screw up, and maybe something bad will happen to them. God arranged for a leafy tree to spring up. It grew over Jonah to cool off and get him out of his angry sulk. Jonah was pleased, and he enjoyed the shade. Life was starting to look up for him. But then God sent a worm, and by dawn of the next day, the worm had bored into the tree, and it withered away. Then the sun came up, and God sent a hot, blistering wind from the east. The sun burnt down on Jonah's head, and he started to faint. He again prayed to God, I'm better off dead. Then God said to Jonah, what right do you have to be angry about this shade tree? Jonah said, plenty. It's made me angry enough to die. God said, what's this? How is it that you can change your feelings from pleasure to anger overnight over a mere shade tree that you did nothing to get? You neither planted it nor watered it. It grew up one night and it died the next night. So why can't I likewise change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure, this big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't even know right from wrong to say nothing of the innocent animals? The end. What a way to end a book. You see, the book of Jonah actually leaves something unresolved. Jonah prayed to die. He hoped for the destruction of Nineveh. He found a plant to give him shade. The plant died and Jonah got upset. God explains his compassion for everyone, but we never hear what Jonah does with that. I ask a question, why? Why does God give us a scripture that leaves it unresolved? Why are the last words that we hear in the book of Jonah, God saying, why can't I change what I feel about Nineveh from anger to pleasure? This big city of more than 120,000 childlike people who don't know right from wrong to say nothing of the innocent animals. Why no resolution? Because Jonah lets us reflect on our most difficult knucklehead behavior to change. Our resentments. Jonah doesn't give us the answer. Jonah points out that even after all of this has taken place, Jonah's left with a resentment. 
And that resentment, if it's not checked, will take him down the way it takes us down. Because we allow to be like Jonah, where even when everything has worked out and things have gone on and the people of Nineveh are now living their lives and living better, we let it rent space in our heads. And that's exactly what Jonah does. He's now got a resentment that is going to haunt him for the rest of his life unless he does something about it. You see, God wants us to realize that knucklehead behavior is ultimately found in holding resentments. It doesn't do us any good. And yet, let's be honest, how many times do we go with resentments in our lives? We become like Jonah, sitting up here looking at a city. Those people are going on with their lives. All the while, Jonah's thinking and obsessing over them. Oh, I could have said this. I should have said this. Maybe if I'd done this. If I'd only done it this way. Gee, I wonder if I'd said it this way, if things would have been different. I can't believe what they're getting away with. The most knucklehead behavior that Christians engage in is holding on to resentments. Rick Warren put it this way. Remember... Resentments always hurt you more than the person you resent. There is nothing worse for us as Christians than to hold on to these resentments as if somehow they're going to solve anything. All they do is make our lives miserable. And yet, let's be honest, folks, how many of us have had resentments in our lives? How many of us have had things in our lives that we just can't get out of our thoughts? So as we think of Jonah, and we think of knucklehead behavior, let's remember that the worst of all knucklehead behavior that we do to ourselves too often is hold on to resentments. If someone else's behavior is bothering you, trust God. Trust that God's working in their lives. If you or I are doing something we shouldn't do, let's repent. Let's change and go in a different direction. And if we are holding on to resentments as we sit here this morning and we say, but Pastor Stan, you don't understand what that person did to me, pray for them. Because letting people rent space in our, in our heads, as I'm fond of telling people, they're never giving you enough money. If I take my car up to Boston and I park it in a garage, they charge me. But we all let people rent space in our heads, and we don't charge them anything. We just let them rent space in our heads. And that's what Jonah wants us ultimately to face. That God wants us to learn to go to prayer and turning things over to him. And realize that he's sovereign and he's in control, and he can take care of all of these things in our lives. Our good old prophet Jonah. I hope we always see him for the knucklehead that he is. Because that way we can all identify with him. Because if I haven't said it yet, guess what? If we're here this morning, I think I gave everybody a chance to leave earlier. We're all knuckleheads. And we all need to learn how to change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you that even as we blow through situations that we know we should do different, you're patient with us and giving us opportunities to come to terms with the stuff that's going on in our lives. And that's why you're patient and loving kind towards others. Help us to learn that. Help us to realize that your will is for goodness to happen in this world and for people to learn to get along with each other and to turn our lives over to you and trust in Christ to be our Savior and for you to take care of the problems and not feel like we have to solve everything ourselves. Help us to quit running away 
when you ask us to do things. Help us to quit judging others and wondering why something bad doesn't happen in their life when you're wishing good and peace and grace into their lives. And most importantly, help us in those times in our lives when we're holding on to resentments to get rid of them, to turn them over to you, and to get the relief that we need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.